This podcast contains potentially adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly sexual context. Listener discretion is advised. before I talk about what I'm drinking again, preemptively. Um, I'm my co-host today. I'm Erica Lance. Wow, I'm totally out of it. <laughs> Erica Lance, my co-host today is... Jaya Piquet. And our guest today is Roger Grimes. Computer <laughs> nerds everywhere right now are losing their shit. Okay, let's talk about what we're drinking. I'm drinking Blue Moon Ice Coffee um, Blonde. It's actually really, it's a really good drink. Okay, Jen, what are you drinking that's lime? I, I have bubbly, lime bubbly, because I don't drink. And then Roger, who's made a New Year's resolution to not become like me, is drinking? Yeah, I find it better to be slightly sober doing these sort of things, so you don't say anything embarrassing. But uh, yeah, so this yeah, is I, God's gift to water. Yeah, I gave that up a really long time ago. Over a year ago now, actually. <laughs> what are you looking around for jen if you watch I, youtube you can watch jen looking around like a crazy person i thought i had a bottle of water but i don't but i love beer i gotta tell you i love beer and i love beer the way wine people like wine trying all the wines i love beer and i love trying all kinds of beers and i love trying i love the flavors but i'm over ipas yeah, yeah I'm not a huge ipa person necessarily i actually love going to breweries and um trying the different beers they create. You know, I found one of the best chocolate stouts I've ever had in my life at a, it's either Broken Lizard or Dead Lizard. And it's a um, uh, little brewery in Orlando, not doing it any justice, not remembering the name right now, but I would say I put it in the notes, but we all know that's not gonna happen. So, um, <laughs> okay, rapid fire questions. That's what literary briefs is, rapid fire questions. What is your favorite book of all time? Oh, wow. I love It's a short story by Flannery O'Connor. You know, good man is hard to find. There is that. That's it. That's the pinnacle. Um, best book. Gosh, you know, I'm going to look at my bookshelf right here. I read a lot, a lot of nonfiction and stuff like that. I mean, so, oh, one that kind of changed my life, my new favorite for the last couple of years. It's a bizarre one, but it's called Beyond Weird with Philip Ball. So it's about quantum physics, but he, and he's, a long, he's not a quantum PhD physicist in the traditional sense. He actually wrote for Science or Nature magazine uh, for a whole bunch of topics, including quantum physics. He explained quantum physics in an alternative way that literally blew my mind. And most it's called Beyond Weird by Philip Ball. He explained it so differently and so weirdly that everybody I know that's ever read it feels the way I do. And it made quantum physics make sense. I would say that you have to understand quantum physics a little bit before you read his. So go read some basic thing. And if you really care about how does quantum mechanics and quantum physics, what's it mean? How does it work in this world? It's his thing. So I love books that are going to change my life. That book changed my life. 
I like that you said you have to understand quantum physics a little bit to understand that book. I think that's hysterical. Also, by the way, if anybody hears any noise, my boyfriend's installing rear speakers in the living room and is apparently picked fucking now to do it. So whatever, it's fine. Podcast. We, we can hear it. Okay, that's good. I'll, good, because I'm like, what are we doing? Rock band in the living room? What is happening? Um, so my next follow-up question is, what is your favorite, and, and I'm changing it up a bit, Jen. Watch this. Woo, changing up a bit. What is your favorite book to reread? Uh, I, you know, I don't know. I'm going to be kind of boring here, but I, I, I read a lot of biographies. Um, and so, and, and it changes. I don't know if I really have a, 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 a true long-term favorite and it's not going to be fit. Cause remember I'm a nonfiction guy. So, I mean, it's, it's like the biographies of Truman and Edison and Thomas Jefferson and uh, like John Meacham. You know, it's interesting you say that. So I'm going to give you a little, another little a little nugget of advice. Another little Erica nugget of advice. We talked about this on the previous podcast a little bit. Read in your genre. Make a point to read in your genre. I don't care if you want to do something different, do it differently. Totally okay in the world to do that. But read in your genre. It actually makes you a better writer to read in your genre. Well, I do. That's the problem is I wrote 12 books on computer security. No, so I'm talking about the genre you're going to be writing, sassy pants. <laughs> I want you to read in your genre that you're going to be writing because you're going to be writing very much a science fiction in a way story. So. Okay. Hey, actually, I've got two, two or three more books really quick. I just thought of that I love. And hmm. one is a fiction book, two of them. So Man's Search of Meaning. Uh, Victor Frankel. Uh, that's just a book about why are we alive? You know, what is our meaning? Um, and then my favorite, so that's my favorite book to read just again, why are we here? And uh, I can tell you in one sentence out of the book, but I'll let people read the book. It's a short book. But my favorite uh, fiction book that I've read probably, and this is a crazy one, but kind of fits into my biography thing is Mila 18, which is a fiction book. Can't even remember who wrote it, but it's about uh, Poland and Nazi Germany and the occupation of Poland and Nazi war Germany and that sort of stuff. And what I loved about it was that it was a fiction book that was fairly hyster uh, historically true and taught me, I love any fiction book that is based around true events that teaches me more about the true event. It's Leon I Uris. I just had to check to make sure because I remembered the cover, but it, it is Leon Uris who wrote it. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, so it's terrible that I say, what are my favorite books? But uh, I read a whole lot of biographies, histories, just... Yeah, I, I read a ton of biographies too, but I can tell you, like if somebody asks me, what is my favorite book of all time? Ender's Game. Ender's Game by Ocean Scott Card is my favorite book of all time. That and there's Pierce Anthony, there's other books that follow up, but Ender's Game, I can reread over and over again. Jen, I know you have to read Lord of the Rings for your thing, but isn't one of Stephen King's books your favorite book to read? Well, the Talisman with Stephen King and Peter Straub, where they partnered up. The Talisman is my favorite book that I can reread. I read Lord of the Rings twice a year because I teach a class on it and I read it with my students so that I'm like, oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. What did we read for today? Yeah, that part. So, but I think it, anyway, okay. So what is your, I'm getting so sidetracked, by my, what? 
that's an, so that's one. The movie Contact is something I like because it's got a whole d- a bunch of different levels. And when you look at it at the end, you realize it was saying something different. That's based upon um, Carl Sagan's Cosmos, but the, that's a, which is a great book as well. Okay, I'm through with them. Okay, so we're going to talk about your least favorite book now of all time. Oh, gosh. Uh, <laughs> What's funny is I've asked you these questions already because we did this and lost the tapes. And I like that you just... <laughs> it's brand new. Uh, any, uh, so how about Ernest Hemingway? Because I don't like his writing style. It's too choppy. <laughs> no, I understand. I, I say quite a bit that I don't like... Um, what the hell is her name? Jane Austen. I know I'm going to piss people off that listen to this and you can totally be a Jane Austen fan. You're allowed to like anything. You don't have to like what I like and I don't have to like what you like. I can't stand it. It is so slow moving. It drives me completely crazy. I managed to get through Pride Prejudice when I read Pride Prejudice and Zombies. I got through Pride and Prejudice because I was like, I can't do this. It's so terrible. I know I, I'm one of those people that feel like when I start a book, no matter how bad it is, I have to finish it because I'm going to get something out of it. But I recently started a book that I could not finish called Dark Money by Jane Mayer. And uh, so it's a it's about dark money and politics and the Koch brothers and all this stuff. And it just so bored me. And ju- I felt like there's going to be an entire book about this because she explained what she needed to explain in two pages. And then the next 18 pages were just the same thing that it, and I kept reading and reading it was the exact same arguments the, and I was like ah, maybe one of a handful of books I've had to put down because I just couldn't finish it so so it's interesting you say that so Jen used to be a, I am I will chuck that book across the room or delete it from Kindle I stopped throwing my Kindles because apparently that's bad for them whatever <laughs> but um Jen used to be a I'm gonna finish this book and she has recently adapted to the I'm not going to fucking waste my time mentality. Because if it doesn't grab you and you're not like, I'm going to be, why give away your time? Kindle changed that for me. I have Kindle Unlimited now. So if I like had a library book, I was committed, right? I'm not going back to the library for a couple of days. I might as well read it. You know, I have it in my hand. But Kindle Unlimited, I'm like, eh, no, next. You know, let me give me another <laughs> one. So my reading definitely has changed because I would always finish book, but I'm also an awful reader because I read the end of the book first to make sure that characters are still alive. Because if you kill a cat, like your book, I would read the ending first, especially now because I know I want to, I want to ruin, I ruin endings. And she, but this is because she's kind of scarred by R.A. Salvatore, scarred her in a series of books. And so now she can't help herself, but do that. I need I a happy ending. There's, I, this is part of my, just, I, I have a PhD in English. I read enough depressing, tragic stories in my life. When I read now, I want happy endings. And I specifically look for that. And I read Ari Salvatore and he, he killed O'Brien by pushing him off a roof in the most ridiculous way possible. And then had the bad guy come up and stab him. And I was so angry. I was like, mm-mm, done. Mm-mm, no, not. <laughs> and I love Ari Salvatore. And now, I'll occasionally read his books and I actually met him but I didn't tell him that he scarred me for life because I'm not Erica yeah no I'll tell an author if they fucking piss me off the only time well I take that back I didn't tell the one author that really annoyed the shit out of me only because people I with were begged me not to get us thrown out of convention otherwise 
I would have said it. What is your, um, so obviously you do research for your books. I mean, thus far, but let, I'm going to, I'm going to pull you into the fiction realm. So you're just barely into the fiction realm, but I want to, want to pull you there and seat you there for a moment. Um, you joined groups so that you could write this book that you're writing. Um, I feel like you seem to be a researcher. Not all authors are researchers. Kind of what you said on the biography you were talking about earlier was that it, it talked about real stuff. And I think research is very important in books and it doesn't have to be in all books, but research is very important if you're going to talk about a topic that actually exists in the world. If you're going to talk about a location that exists in the world, all that, unless you're intentionally changing it to morph it into something else, you need to know what the fuck you're talking about. So how much, you said you've been working on this for 10 years? Yeah, and let me say, but you're, I research everything that I get into. Uh, I get into a lot of hobbies. My brother calls me the great pretender. And he meant that. I think there was a, a show that was on TV with this guy who would pretend to be different people. But I will, as my, suppose I decided that I want to get into boating. I want to be a boater. I will buy 10 books from Amazon, 16 books. Oh, I got into fish tanks for 10 years. I bought 16 books on fish tanks. But so at the very least, I'm going to buy 10 to 20 books, read them all in a row. I'm in a new hobby right now, and I am reading every book on it. Like, am I, what, is, what is your new hobby, Roger? Uh, sniper rifle shooting, long-range target shooting. Okay, we're not going to talk about that. This could come up later as evidence. Okay, moving on. So you read 10 to 20 books. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and I buy all the equipment, and I hang out in all the forums. Uh, but I really do believe that if, you, if you're trying to write about a subculture – that you have to get the vernacular and the language correct. And if you don't talk about it in a way that they talk about it, they will know that you're a fraud. And so I wanted in my writing to make sure that I didn't get called out for being inaccurate. And let me say, being part of it now for 10 years, I really understand the subculture really, really well, can talk in a subculture. And every subculture has its acronyms. That's a kind of a funny part of it when you go in there and you're lurking and learning there's these 50 acronyms that everybody's like oh the acl the gdp the dr5 you know you've got to spend time learning what that is there's always been a ton of controversy around a bunch of topics you got to find the hot buttons you got to find out what what are the arguments and the arguments back till it's ad nauseum where you're not even having to think about it and then what i hope to do in the stories is drop a few things along the way where the reader of this subculture goes, he's one of us. Because I'm just going to say it in a way that seems very natural, but they know that this is an offsetting part that, that breaks them away from a person that doesn't have that mindset. And I'm going to try to say it as naturally and as casually so this person goes, he's one of us. And I'm going to just do the disclaimer again now. I don't know why the drunk person is doing the disclaimer on these shows, but we are not talking about anything having to do with information or cybersecurity or anything related to Roger Grimes' present position in life. This is a completely different culture that he has not touched as of yet, and therefore do not hold him accountable for what he's about to write. Yeah, I, don't, I will do nothing but piss off that subculture, but it should not impact me. Yeah, certainly not going to impact me at work. No, 
not at all. I'm just disclaiming again. Okay, so let's talk about your writing style because regardless of what kind of writer you are and what we're talking about, um, so you do a lot of research. Do you literally write your chapters out? Do you what we call plot your chapters and what you're going to do? Are you a pantser? Do you just sit down and write? Do you outline? What kind of kind of writer are you? So yeah, I would say that. And let me say that was one of the biggest lessons learned is I had to think, I had to stop and slow down, not only about the, the table of contents in the chapter, but just the chapter itself. You know, initially, I think when you're a new writer, you just go, I got all these good ideas and you're writing and you're writing and you don't have structure. And I certainly found that slowing down and thinking about a beginning, a middle and an end for every chapter and the book made it writing so much easier and certainly i do that even i write two articles a week of a thousand to five thousand words every single week week after week and i find that if i put my bullet points along you know i go okay this i'm going to start it this i'm going to end it here's the bullet points just to remind me along my pathway that it helps me so yeah as i've matured structure structure saves time okay so um what you just described was planting so let's talk about your fiction work for a moment because plancing is between a plotter and a pantser. So a pantser is like me who will just sit down and fucking write shit. I don't, I, I just do that. I don't do this whole like, let me do an outline and nobody. But you make, but you tell other people to do outlines and, and it helps. I do because I give it, I, trust me, I have a very good example of a bad example. Like if you are like me and can sit down and just write and do that, George R. R. Martin's like me. I think it's great, but not everybody has that ability. And it's not a bad thing because we're all different. But when you're writing your fiction, have you outlined what you want to do in each of these books? Well, and I, yeah, and let me say that one was a lot more difficult because I want to share this. I want to share the societal change. So I had this end goal of what I was trying to accomplish. I needed to write a story that seemed natural and plausible. Let me say that the story, the front story is going to seem very enjoyable and entertaining. And then I had to have a second story that completely shows that the first story was completely misunderstood. Like just holy freak. And so that actually took a lot of, that actually, when I said I've been working on this for 10 years, I, I had to think about, okay, this is what I want the outcome to be. This is what I want the shocking point to be. How can I make it seem natural here so I can then reverse it here? And so it, it actually is taking far more planning. And then sometimes, let me say how excited, I would be in a gym on a treadmill and I'd, aha, oh my God, that fits. And all of a sudden, three or four pieces I was looking for, I could think of a plot piece that, oh my God, that naturally makes those three things fall together. And I would be so excited I couldn't wait till I got home. And now I learned, you know, on my, I actually have on my cell phone, this button that says, just send this email to me. So it's one button. So it's like a memo button, but it's so quick. I hit the button, type in the thought, hit send. And that makes sure that I don't lose it. And that was the best seven bucks I ever spent for an app in my life. And it's, what is this brilliant app? It, it's called this. I think it's called send to myself or let me see. It's been so long or one click. It's called one click. That's I'm just saying because we have a lot of authors that listen and are going to be like, that is a brilliant idea. I have oh. voice memos. I talk to myself in my phone. If anybody ever got a hold of my phone, I'd be arrested. I've told Jen many, many times 
to make sure she shows up at the police station my friends i'm like they know to show up and go listen i know she appears to be a serial killer but i promise you yeah i used to do the voice memos yeah voice memos on yeah i actually used to carry the little recorder around uh you know before the days of cell phones and then um and then cell phones i did voice recording and now i I love the one click because i can very quick the only bad thing about one click versus voice memo is when you're driving yes well you shouldn't use that when you're driving i don't know why i keep having to do disclaimers for you roger throughout this podcast i only had one accident that was my fault in my 30 years but you know from all the matter you'll be held accountable don't all the reading of books and typing in emails while i'm driving you think i would have more do not say that you do that okay so are you uh, go ahead you know you asked jen go for it are you a morning writer afternoon what's your best time uh i have to write the, my best writing is before 12 it certainly is in the morning after i work out i always think and write better when i've worked out have the juices flowing by the time three o'clock hits something happens and i've just learned through the years i stop writing i just don't do my best work and i now it has become so natural that even if I have a deadline or something, I'm like, ah, it's past three, eh, and I don't write. That's so funny because Jen is an all-night writer. I do my best. I start at like nine, ten o'clock, and then I write until, you know, one or two. That's peak performance. That's the way to go. Yeah, I literally feel like I get brain dead or tired. Maybe it's because I wake up at four or five a.m. I'm going to bed. Who the hell wakes up at four or five? I'm not even going to get started on that. Okay, so what do you think, Roger? You know, you keep, I think, lessening your actual stature in the writing world. What do you think your biggest writing pet peeve is? Like, what do you think, not pet peeve, writing, what am I looking for, Jen? I'm not saying these words correctly. What, like the thing that he does that he needs yeah. to, uh, yeah. Okay, so what? what's the thing that you do in your writing that you don't realize that other people are like, you probably should work on this? My characters nod and shrug all the time and I don't notice it. And then I get a, it back from an editor and it's all yellow. And it's every time I use the word nod. And I was like, 27 Ooh. times in one chapter. Yeah, I, I, yeah I, I certainly have a lot of repetitive words. I think if, if I was the Unibomber and the government wanted to find me and they did one of those writing analysis programs, they'd go, yep, this is Roger Grimes, right? Because I do have a particular style. But I, I, you know what I work at? the most, and maybe this is everybody, I'm sure it is, is how to say something more naturally and even shorter. Like the best sentences are not something you're struggling with and go on and on and on, but something that is more natural. So I, I hate 98% of my writing out of a, you know, if I did 52 stories a year, if I, if I have one or two that I truly like, like where I'm like, I'm proud of that. And I'll tell my wife, I just wrote something and I'm proud of it. I literally tell her the epiphany, God was writing through me as a vessel. You know, uh, if I have two a year, I feel good. You're a very interesting writer. I'm just going to say that. it's You're probably one of the most humble writers we've ever talked to on the podcast. Oh. With your view for your extensive writing and success that you've done. Because the, you know, the fact is you've, what, 12 books or 14 books? 12 books. Well, well, that's fucking phenomenal. That's phenomenal. Lot. And I realize some of them have been 
um, retired. That's the word I'm going to use just due to the fact that they're not applicable anymore because you're talking about Windows 95 or whatever and nobody uses it. Although, I don't know if you saw Cobra Kai, he boots up his system and it's got Windows XP. And I was watching that the other day and I just started fucking laughing and my boyfriend looked at me like I was weird. And I was like, that's funny to me because nobody liked Windows XP. Anyway, um, so Jen, do you want to do a final question? Um, I had one and now it's got, oh, do you listen to music when you write? No, that would be too distracting. And my wife okay. loves music, plays it nonstop loudly. And uh, I don't mind hearing it in the background, but I could not do it if it was in the room. I would close the doors. Uh, I'm struggling to write and not be an idiot. Any distraction would just crush what little ability I have. I, you know, listen, and when you say I'm humble, you don't get a lot of emails from me. But if I was to send you an email, not only would the email have a typo, it would be hard for the sentence, every sentence of the email not to have a typo. I truly am one of the most unnatural, ungifted writers you've ever met. Roger, it is so, you can't sit and say, it's kind of like, hi, I've produced 12 movies, but I'm not a good actor. Like you, this is my next struggle to work with you on, is the fact that you have to step back and look at the accomplishments of what you've done. It doesn't mean you're great. Like, I don't think I'm the greatest writer in the world. I don't believe that. I know I'm a good writer and I know people love my story. I also know that it has to go to an editor every fucking time because I am not good enough to just send it out. I would never do that in a million years. You have accomplished so much with your writing. You cannot be a terrible or mediocre writer because you wouldn't have accomplished as much as you have. I'm going to send you my, my sample chapter and I may change your mind. You, you know may, what? Send me your sample chapter and then when you publish your book, you're coming back on the podcast and we are going to have a fucking jello cage match. Like, we're going to go over this point. Humble, turns out he was spot on. Yeah, you know what? But I... I promise the listening slash viewing audience that you send me your sample chapter tonight. I will, I, you send me your sample chapter because I'm going to go through and I promise that if I'm like, oh no, he was fucking right. He's terrible. That I will go and I will absolutely share that with the world. I am not good with follow-up. Our producer does all the follow-up with listing everything on the thing. If I'm wrong, I will own it up and I will do the follow-up. But I am speaking for all the writers that are not natural, that through hard work, persevere. That's, that's, what, that's, what's really, that's what's really awesome about it. Because you can say like, yeah, I send, I send emails and they're, they're a wreck. But with your writing, you just keep working at it. It's like the first time you draw something, it's a stick figure. And then you go back and you, you, you retrace it. You, you color it in, you erase it and you do it again. And like, that's what writing is. It's not about just like, ah, perfect masterpiece. You know, you have to, you, you have an idea and then you, you sketch it out and then you rough it in. And then it just gets better and better. The more you twig, you, you pick at it and do, Doing that is like, I have so many people just that I've met in life and students and they're like, I have this great, I like the people that come to you, those 97 people who are like, I'm going to write a book and then they never do. It's about the follow through. So the fact that you're like, no, it's really not good, but I'm going to make it good. That's what makes you successful. That's what's awesome. That's inspiring. It is inspiring. And the fact of the matter is a lot of writers, I think, forget that 
they're playing a story in their head. And to put the story onto a piece of paper is a very different activity than playing a story in your head, whatever movie, epilogue, whatever you want to call it that's there. And you have managed to do that on many, many topics that are great. So I'm so I can't believe we're having an argument with you to yeah, boot say that this, that, awesome that's exactly the haunting part that haunts me is that I know I have this terrific story. It truly is better than most things I'm reading. And I'm not sure if I'm capable of writing it in the way that it needs to be written about because it's a good story. And I feel like if I don't write it well, I will have diminished this terrific story. So I'm trying to. I'm trying then you just find a story editor that helps you pull it out of your brain and put it on a piece of paper. That's okay. what story editors are for, not line editors that fix that you don't put enough fucking commas in your story. It's not or it's, too many. It's not all about commas. They're not the biggest deal. <laughs> Shut up, Oxford comma girl. They're important, but they're not the whole deal. Like to have a teacher who takes five points off for every single comma, like you're not you're not helping no, anybody tenses, except learn math. There's passive voice. We could go there, down the five the whole, biggest. But but even mechanics in general, like grammar and punctuation, or like the mechanics of the writing, is only part of the thing like the story you're telling is important the way you tell it the tone of the story the delivery the way it looks right and then you're like oh yeah you should probably use rules you know use english the way that english is supposed to be used but that's it's not the end all be all yeah i love it you say like passive voice this is one of the things the editors have taught me so when i'm writing i can hear the editor going that's passive voice and i'll go and I'll usually correct it. Every now and then I'll go, nope, that's what I intended. And I'll leave it in. But it's funny, years and years of people calling it out. And now I've become, I, their editing lives through me. And I, Look, I can I'll tell you, we talk to fiction writers all the time and some very famous fiction writers. And I don't mean that like I'm tooting my own horn, but we've had some, like we've had Jonathan Mayberry, Melinda Snodgrass. We've had some just, and those aren't all of them. So nobody get offended amazing authors on this show uh, on this podcast and we've talked to them and the fact of the matter is some of them put post-its with all the things their authors tell them that they i mean their editors tell them they do all the time to look up and go don't put he at the beginning of every sentence <laughs> all of us are different with what we do wrong and what we do right in writing it's whether or not you get that little editor voice that goes hey Fun story. Like I used to put realize. I don't anymore. I've talked about this on the podcast. I used to put the word realize in all of my stuff, like obsessively. Everybody realized everything, right? I don't do that. And I haven't done that for many, many stories now because the editor came to me and went, do you realize how many times you use the word realize? I'm like, no. And she's, I don't want to say the number because it's depressing, but I was like, oh, cool so every time i go to type the word realize i go wait is this what i need to say how many times have i already said it does it really add to the story like i have that whole process in my brain and i could be type type typing and i will literally stop and go hmm. and that's important with any authors whether or not they can learn and hear their editor's voice go hey we've already talked about this dumb shit thing you keep doing stop doing it yeah, all right. You were asking me one of my things I wish I could fix. And but I used to be an and but writer. I was always putting an and and a but. To, and I think an editor finally literally verbally said that you're an and but guy. And, uh, you know, just putting too many ands and buts to continue a story. 
And I was like, I realized that's who I was. And I did it all the time. And now every time I put the word and or but, I can hear the editor. And I'm like, is it needed? Is that the best way to approach it is, you know. <laughs> no, that's, that's the important key. OK, we Bring are at the end. <laughs> Look, the editor's like, yes, I have accomplished things. Okay. Um, so, uh, Roger, how do people find your current breadth of work? LinkedIn. I mean, so, uh, again, it's pretty boring stuff. It's all computer stuff. I'm on LinkedIn. It is not boring for people who are interested in that industry. Roger A. Grimes. So, Amazon is the books. Most of the articles, uh, the last couple of years, articles are on LinkedIn. Look for Roger A. Grimes. I have to diff I have to put the middle initial because if you put in Roger Grimes, you get the former uh, leader of the Labor Party of Newfoundland. And um, I get hate mail for him, like when he restricts fishing rights in New Brunswick. <laughs> so I have to differentiate myself as Roger A. Grimes. So, so well, we should probably talk about your pen name, but that's a different podcast. Okay, so it has been fantastic having you. I'm Erica Lance. Jay Forget. Our guest has been Roger Grimes. And we will see you next time. Take care, everyone. Woohoo!